We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome into this edition of the Oxford Exxon podcast, also kind of a hybrid edition of the Soft Verbal, brought to you by the College Corner. Chase Parm, Zach Berry here with you uh, this uh, this afternoon, probably early evening, kind of as it gets to you today. We'll talk some recruiting, we'll talk some baseball, kind of what else is going on in the uh, the Ole Miss universe right now, as it is uh, officially the offseason after one more college baseball game, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt playing game three of the College World Series, Championship Series tonight in, uh, in Omaha. I'm wishing that a little bit just as far as maybe how it affects Ole Miss, how it doesn't affect Ole Miss, and uh, and more, and a pretty good bit of news on the recruiting front as well. So all that coming up on the show today. Show brought to you every single day by the Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. You can download the Speed Pass Plus app, take advantage of that, do that. You earn points, save money there with the Oxford Exxon. Also, the 569 lunch specials every single weekday there at all Blue Sky locations in Mississippi, including the Oxford Exxon. Again, we're coming to you from Clark Ford Studio, 662-257-1900, Highway 25 South there in Amory. Corey wants to be your truck guy, wants to be your car guy. He'll take care of you. When you're finishing a deal, mention the podcast, get a little extra incentive, a little extra discount on that car there with uh, with Clark Ford. And I guess Zach technically joining me on the Raptors Music and Food Hotline, Raptors in Oxford and New Albany, Raptors on the water, a lot of different ways to uh, watch Sporting events, get some great food, the po' boys, the appetizers, plenty of good stuff there at Raptors at all of its locations. Uh, in Oxford, on the water, and in New Albany. Zach, good afternoon. It's been a – we're kind of jump around a little bit today. It's been a pretty active week on the recruiting trail. It has. Uh, I know folks were starting to get a little antsy. Things weren't really popping off um, like it has been for other programs, but uh, – Ole Miss was able uh, able to to add a couple pieces uh, to a class that uh, for a long time only had two two commits in it. Marquez Dortch and Larry Simmons, both Mississippi guys. Uh, they are now joined by four-star Taylor Groves, uh, an athlete um, right outside Nashville, uh, was committed to Michigan, uh, ended up decommitting. Basically, was pretty mature about it, admitted to um, – to Josh Helmholt of uh, Rivals.com that he rushed it and uh, should have uh, taken his time and waited. Um, but now he's uh, committed to Ole Miss. And then uh, a tight end out of Texas, Kyron Heath, um, has also committed to the Rebels. 
And then uh, a junior college linebacker, uh, Reginald Hughes, uh, big guy, 6'2", 230. And I mentioned in the story, um, apparently tested really well for the coaching staff uh, at the camp. Ran a uh, high 4'5", and uh, got an offer on the spot, um, and uh, committed shortly after. Um, so uh, still not a, you know, it, it's still in the 70s as far as team rankings go, but I think uh, as folks on the message board and, and Ole Miss fans learned last year that uh, Lane Kiffin is going to take his time, be diligent, be thorough, and then uh, close well. Yeah, so let's go through this a little bit. Taylor Groves, obviously the uh, the, the, the biggest from a ranking standpoint commit um, of this latest little flurry this week. As you said, a four-star athlete, 6'2", 185 there um, out, of, uh, out of Tennessee. He's an athlete. Where's he going to play at Ole Miss? What are, you, what are you sort of seeing in Groves to this point? So it, it's not sourced, or I didn't get this verbatim from anyone. But uh, I think you can kind of piece it together, uh, read between the lines, if you will. I think that Ole Miss kind of did almost a Miles Battle sales pitch to him. Um, similar in build, uh, very athletic, you know, has the ball skills, the athleticism. I think they basically were like, look, this is a guy that was kind of like you, four-star receiver. Um, he got here, couldn't really find his footing in the, in the receiver room. We flipped him over to defense, and now he's probably going to start for us in, in 2021. And, um, you know, he showed a lot of flashes of, of what, uh, what could be last year. I think he um, held his own against some really good receivers in the SEC. And uh, I think they kind of looked at it like, hey, just, just come here and, j- and just be an athlete. And, uh, and, and we'll find a place for you on defense. I think he's going to end up at safety just because of the length. Um, you'd probably think that he'll fill out, maybe get close to 200 pounds uh, when he gets in a strength and conditioning program in Oxford. But, Super athletic guy. He already plays both ways in high school, as most do. But um, I wrote about it in the uh, in the story at RibbleGrove.com. Really good basketball player. Um, up until his junior season, he, he, he decided to focus solely on football. But, um, I mean, a guy that averaged 20 points a game in high school. Um, you know, East Robertson High School is where he goes. A little bitty 1A, 1A school, but um, was starting to create a lot of recruiting buzz as a, as a basketball prospect. But Started to focus on football, um, but with the length and with uh, the the ability to, um, you know, high point the football that normally receivers, um, you know, kind of garner that type of, of attribute. I think that he's going to be a guy that can can excel at safety um, just because of uh, the length and uh, just the athleticism. So who's kind of his finalist, if you will? Who else was in him at the end? Um. You know, he, he basically told Helmholtz in an interview a couple uh, – I guess it was about a month or, month or so ago that that, uh, that Michigan was out of it. You know, he said, hey, man, I, I rushed the decision. Um, I'm not really looking at them anymore. Uh, I think it was probably Arkansas, LSU, uh, Notre Dame really liked him, and then Tennessee obviously being the in-state school was pushing. But, uh, I mean, the offer sheet is, is still pretty loud. Um you know, has offers from uh, notable Power Five. He's got Penn State, Missouri, Utah, Vandy, South Carolina, Michigan State, Minnesota. So he, he's got a pretty impressive offer sheet. Baylor um, was looking at him. I think a lot of people were kind of wanting him to play receiver. And, and I think that what Chris Partridge and, and Derek Nix and the rest of the staff told him, I think it kind of resonated. And he kind of thought, you know, yeah, like, Maybe my future could be on defense, and, and, and I don't know. I mean, they probably 
say, hey, we're not ruling out receiver. You know, you could come here and we'll let you try both. And uh, maybe you, you know, flash for us on offense. But, um, but yeah, I mean, maybe most people were recruiting him as a safe as, – as a receiver and then just what Ole Miss, you know, put in front of him. And I guess the plan that they that they showed him was good enough to convince him that he could come there and, and play early and often on defense. So what do we know about Kyron Heath? I mean, you're looking at a 5.5, three-star, um, you know, offer list is, is pretty modest as well. Big kid, 6'4", 234, tied in. Um, has some attributes that you know that the, the, the Ole Miss offense likes in some different ways. But just in general, um, what, what do you think led to him having that committable offer at this point in the process? Well, with, with COVID and, and the debt period being over, and obviously kids are visiting campuses now, going on unofficial visits, official visits. Uh, Ole Miss had a ton of camps in June, and they were able to have him in person to do some workouts. They saw him run. They saw him run routes. Um, Jeff Levy and, and, and Lane Kiffin and the rest of the staff basically, from what I understand, ran the camp. You know, they had the basic combine stuff that they would put them through, but they also kind of ran the camp like a practice. So they were out there running their system. And I think that what they saw from him in person um, was impressive enough. They offered him there after uh, he camped. And um, that I, I think that that's what you need to focus on the most, is that they saw him in person and they offered him. Um, this wasn't something where they watched the huddle tape. Um, they talked to some high school coaches. Like, no, they, they saw him in person, live and in color, and, uh, and offered him. But, um, you know, speaking of huddle, when you, when you look at the film – Pretty impressive. Uh, he runs routes like a receiver. Um, you mentioned how big he is. He moves pretty well for being, you know, plus 230. Um, pretty good run blocker as well. I think that, the, you know, in, in, in Kiffin and Levy's offense, they're not going to ask a tight end to pass block at all, obviously. So run blocking being something that uh, he looks willing to do is a, is a plus um, because I think, um, you know, they struggled with that a little bit last year. Um, Yaboa was banged up, but he wasn't the greatest run blocker. And then, um, you know, probably the best one in that room was Casey Kelly. And then, uh, he kind of emerged late in the year being, a being a pretty solid pass catcher. But yeah, I mean, I think Heath is going to be a guy that can do it all. Um, be interested to see if he plays immediately when he gets to campus. Um, but you, you already talked about the frame. It's, it's SEC ready. So, from a rival standpoint, an evaluator standpoint, or even a coaching standpoint, I mean, we're, how far behind are we on the calendar because of COVID, the lack of a dead period, the lack of camps until recently? I mean, where do we sort of sit from the standpoint of how to judge what a guy's ranked right now versus in a normal cycle, or even where the offers list stands, where the commitment list stands, just in general, where are we at on this calendar compared to what it would be in a normal non-COVID uh, year? I would say you're probably a couple months behind. Um, I mean, with the dead period ending in June, that's typically when people have camps anyway. But um, things were limited before that. So a lot of these analysts didn't get a chance to really see guys in person. And, I mean, I think that's where you, you know, the rubber meets the road with, a, with analysis and, and an evaluation. Because you can only do so much when you're watching film or you're watching YouTube or cut-ups on Twitter. You got to see people in person. You got to see, okay, is this guy really a four-five-five guy, or is it a four-six-five guy? Um, you know, how does he, you know, how does he stack up against, you know, better competition? You know, I, I mentioned Groves as a guy that goes to a one-A school in Tennessee. 
Um, but when he went to rivals camps, still was able to show out when he was playing against or competing against guys that are from bigger schools and, and, and you know, four- and five-star guys. That's the big thing. I think uh, the opening, Nike's having that. They didn't have it last year because of COVID. Um, that's going to be big to uh, really solidify some evaluations. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's tough for, for those guys. I mean, I know that, you know, people, you know, kind of gripe on the message boards about certain evaluations and, you know, oh, well, why is this guy ranked so low? Or, you know, how is this guy to have a, a star rating right now? It's just hard. I mean, there's so many high schools out there. There's so many high school players. It's virtually impossible to get out there and see everyone in person and to rank them. But um, with more and more camps ramping up, we're in a dead period again. Uh, that'll end at the, uh, I believe, July 20, 24th or 26th. It'll be over. And then uh, kids will start going out and visiting again. Um, I'll tell you this, Chase, you see it more and more now. Um, more prospects – now, it started a little bit in last cycle, but this one especially, um, you know, these kids are taking official visits early. I mean, mm -hmm. dudes are taking official visits right now. Um, they're not waiting. Uh, the more guys I talk to, the more I hear, hey, I just want to go ahead and get it done before my senior season so I can focus on football, focus on being in high school and hanging out with my friends. Um, you know, you have the, the big-name guys that are going to drag it out and take all their officials late and, um, you know, if they're enrolling in January, they're going to try to, you know, cram it all in in the end of November and December. Um, but, you know, that's another thing. Everybody's graduating early now. That's the, the big thing is getting onto a campus early, getting acclimated, getting into a dorm, getting into the strength and conditioning program and starting to compete for, for a spot. But, um, you know, as a recruiting calendar, yeah, I mean, I think that they're, they're a couple months behind, um, you know, you know, Mike Farrell and the rest of the staff, Sam Spiegelman and, and Woody Womack would probably say maybe a little more than a couple months. But, um, but yeah, it's tough right now just because it's, it's a mad dash. I mean, June was, was crazy. So the last guy in this, uh, in, in this recent set of commitments, Reginald Hughes, the uh, outside linebacker, 6'2", 230, pretty good bit of size there out of uh, Northeast Community College in Boonville. Um, three offers on our sheet, Ole Miss, Arkansas State, and Mississippi State. I mean, the, the, the size definitely plays, but uh, how does the how's the kid run? What do we know? Yeah, so that was uh, the thing that I was told. Um, came to camp. Uh, I believe it was on the heels of unofficially visiting Mississippi State. Um, really liked his visit down there. Um, but he came to Ole Miss, and uh, they put him through some drills. Uh, moved extremely well, and then, uh, like I said, posted a you know a high four five ish forty yard dash, and I think uh, DJ Durkin and uh, Chris Partridge and Coleman Hudson, the rest of that defensive staff, kind of you know like whoa, like this is six two two thirty, you can move like that, like we 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 need guys like that on that side of the ball. Um, so I think that that's 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 the big thing right now in this defense is they're just looking for guys that can, can that can get out there and contribute immediately but also guys that are SEC, you know, that look the part. Um, and now you can't always get that. I mean, I think somebody that, that, you know, you could argue doesn't necessarily look the part from a physical standpoint, but will play a ton, in my opinion. And, I, you know, Neil and I have mentioned him on the show before. You've probably heard about him. I, I think Tysheen Johnson is going to play a lot in 2021. Um, you know, 5'9", 5'10", on his best day. In, uh, in his best shoes, but um, just a guy that's, you know, one of those pound-for-pound pound best players on the team, 
but yeah, you t- you mentioned it. I mean, Reginald Hughes, six two, two thirty. I mean, that guy's probably going to be one of your first few guys getting off the bus. So, a JUCO guy that was was pretty productive in a COVID shortened junior college season a year ago, but um, someone that's going to play this year at, at Northeast and then uh, enroll in January. So um, that's another guy that you hope can get on campus early, really get him into a weight room, get him toned up and uh, get ready to step in for, uh, you know, somebody like Chance Campbell that's leaving uh, after 2021 um, to solidify that middle linebacker spot. Take a break in the show to tell you about Community Mortgage, located in Oxford, Memphis, DeSoto County, and Chattanooga. All underwriting and processing is done in Memphis. So you're getting local underwriting to understand your market, a leader in condo financing, the float down option, and more. You can find Jason at 662-234-2704 or J-L-O-W-E at communitymtg.com. We're also brought to you by Northeast Spark. That's N-E-S-P-A-R-C. Dot com with uh, Northeast Spark. You know, you're getting the best internet around here in the Lafayette County area. I've got it in my home. We've got it in the Clark Ford studio. You get the 100 Mbps or you get the Blaze, the one gig that does power the Clark Ford studio. We've had no issues. Spark here in Oxford. Phone service available as well. Parental controls, network security, and more. It's going in more neighborhoods every single day, every single week. So call. Find out if it's there for you. If so, you're going to get download speeds much faster than you're used to if you're not using Spark. Again, 662 238 Three one five nine podcast also brought to you by Tyson Drugs and G and M Pharmacy. Remember, if you're a state or a school employee who uh, has an insurance provider who is using CVS Caremark, that is a pharmacy benefit manager. Don't be confused with CVS Pharmacy. Not the same thing. I know the logo looks the same, but if you're using a uh, CVS Caremark uh, provider, you do not have to change anything. You're still good with Tyson Drugs. You're still good with G and M. So really just encouraging you to uh, you know use a local independent pharmacy like GNM, like T- Tyson Drugs. You're going to receive exceptional services, competitive prices, and you support local business in the process as well. So find out more about that as well as how they deliver locally in the area, 662-236-2222. And with uh, the summer still going on, check out Visit Oxford, visitoxford.com slash events to see all the different events going on every day, every week here locally if you're in town or you're a local that's here all the time. The Good Night Market is at the Old Armory Pavilion. That's Friday, July 2nd, so take advantage of that. As well as uh, the annual fireworks show, July 4th. Those are going to be over Oxford High School, so you can park anywhere kind of along that cyst, that Oxford High area, for fireworks on Sunday, July 4th, and just uh, something to put in your calendar moving forward. July 17th, end of all music, record store day. There again, Saturday, July 17th. Visit OxfordMS.com slash events. So what's next? I mean, we don't necessarily know. I mean, always like who's coming or what, but I mean, where do you where do you feel like Ole Miss is in the process of either pushing for guys, have committable offers out there that could be popping? I mean, is it kind of kind of slow down? Just I mean, I, I, you know, hypothetically, what's your kind of guess on where this thing is right now? Uh, I mean, right now, um, with it being the dead period, um, I can't really can't talk to any recruits. Obviously, that's you know, no contacts. They can't visit. Um, with the staff, but as far as I guess who's next or, or where they're looking, um, I think two names that, that jump out to me immediately are up front defensively. I think Jacarius Clayton and uh, Horace Lockett, uh, two strong side defensive ends. Um, Lockett from the state of Georgia and uh, Clayton from uh, Tupelo right down the road. He was committed to Mississippi State, um, was actually 
pretty honest when I spoke with him a couple months ago, just said, Hey, you know, I'm committed to state, but I'm still looking like it's, it's not over. Um, Oregon was in, uh, I think Oregon's in it. I think Arizona state and I think Ole Miss, um, I wouldn't rule out Mississippi state, but, uh, he unofficially visited Oxford, um, came away pretty impressed. Uh, Randall Joyner's doing a nice job so far, really getting to know a lot of these defensive line targets that are coming into town. Um, I'd probably say Clayton and Lockett are probably next up in terms of who could commit next. Um, but after that, I mean, they're going to they're gonna be patient and they're going to continue to host as many players as they can. Um, I know July 30th is when they're doing a big kind of cookout, fish fry type deal, have, you know, a good bit of unofficial visitors come in town, maybe some official visitors. Um, I'll throw another name out there that um, – that I heard uh, over the weekend, um, running back out of Baton Rouge, Le'Veon Moss, he's committed to Alabama. Um, Kevin Smith is extremely high on him. Um, he's obviously committed to the, the reigning national champions, but um, all sources, you know, seem to say that the visit went really well. Um, he likes Coach, Coach Smith. Um, his mother likes Coach Smith. So um, I, I feel like that's a name to kind of, you know, put a note by, put a pin in. I think they're going to recruit him until, until signing day uh, to try to see if they can bring him in and eventually be the guy that, that Snoop Connor is. You know, he's a bigger – you know, he's a 200-plus pound running back, very physical, um, can kind of come in and, and pair up nicely with Henry Parrish, who I think will probably eventually step in for Jerry Neely when he's gone, you know, kind of that thunder and lightning duo. But um, I would imagine they're going to push for him to come in for that July 30th cookout. And then, um, you know, see where, see where things stand. Um, he already unofficially visited. Um, so it's basically uh, Alabama, LSU, and Ole Miss right now are probably his top three, even though he's already committed to Alabama. Um, but that's a name to know. So, um, yeah, pretty quiet right now. As I said, they're not going to push hard. They're going to be pretty thorough with their evaluations and try to get as many guys in person so they can see them and see if it's legit. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not going uh, to be quiet for long. So the other bit of news from an uh, from an incoming standpoint, uh, Jalen Knox, you were the first one to see last night on uh, the official site that no no fanfare there. He just uh, was added to the roster at some point uh, yesterday afternoon, yesterday evening, prior to uh, people starting noticing last night. I think he had a tweet, I guess sometime around noon yesterday, that it was uh, it was over, but uh, no no commitment videos, nothing else from the Missouri transfer. We we hear today, uh, David Johnson first reporting that. Um, he is, in fact, not eligible for, for uh, 2021. However, he has some academic issues, and those had to be cleared up before he's put on scholarship and eligible to uh, to play. So I guess just, just a guy that kind of gets put on ice for a little while. He is a slot receiver primarily whenever that time does come. But, you know, it's, it's an instant gratification thing, but it's also a thing of where they're replacing Elijah Moore right now. They have to have somebody step up in that position and he's uh, he's not not an option. I mean, it's better to have him than not have him. But this definitely tempers what uh, what what the, the the excitement around his arrival means. Yeah, um, they would certainly like for him to uh, to be eligible for this season because I mean I think that he's pretty much tailor made for the offense. Um, he works extremely well in space. He's got the speed to take the top off the defense and go deep. You know. It, this is not putting him in the same league as Elijah Moore, but he does a lot of those same things. Um, he's shifty in space. Um, you know, he was 
pretty productive in, in a lot of conference games in his three years at Missouri. Um, played well against Alabama, played well against LSU. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a guy six foot, you know, 195 pounds. Um, whenever he's academically eligible, I, I, I think that he's going to get a lot of targets in this offense. Um, whether Matt Corral's throwing it to him or Luke Altmaier or whoever, um, he's shifty. He can really run. He's a legitimate four or five guy. Um, but yeah, he's got to get academically cleared before uh, he can uh, put the pads on um, in a meaningful situation. So until then, he'll be a walk on. So, you know, for those that are wondering, he's not using a scholarship. He'll just be a walk on. He'll be on the roster and uh, he's got to get cleared. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I figured there was, there was, there had to be some catch or there was something because uh, he just kind of left the team in Columbia. Um, and I don't think there was ever an official announcement that he was in the portal. Um, so I, I didn't, I didn't assume, but I was like, there's gotta be something, there's some hurdle that he's got to clear. So, so that's it. Um, I don't know if there's any optimism that he can get it done in the summer. I would imagine not, but, but yeah, so kind of a Jacob Springer situation. It was, it was all way too quiet. I mean, from every part of it, how he leaves to how he handled the transfer. I mean, in some ways you're like, Hey, this is kind of impressive. Like, cause in the, in the, in the area of everybody blowing up and all these edits and whatnot, I was like, okay, but, What's the catch? What's going yeah. on? Because this doesn't even make sense right now. So I guess that does, <laughs> that, uh, that yeah. Um. So are you uh you pulling for the hometown team tonight? What's 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 going on? Um. Well, the money line odds are pretty good for uh for Mississippi State. Um. No, I'll, I'll be honest here, and you can. I don't think you'll disagree with me, but feel free to. Um. I mean, I think unless Kumar Rocker just really shoves tonight. I, I mean, I think State wins. I think they're the better team. What is what is the Vegas odd? Uh, Where are we at right now? Let's say it's plus 135. For State? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I mean, Kumar's on short rest. I give It's like four days rest, right? Yeah, I think that's right. Okay. I give State the edge – because, frankly, they've just played better offensively and defensively. Mm-hmm. I mean, Dandy, as good as that middle infield has been for most of the year, has been horrid um, in the College World Series. They haven't hit at all. I think they have, what, two runs in the last 19 innings or something like that. Um, yeah. And it's well, plus, well, plus it 115. Before the seven, since the, the seven-run first the other night. Um, yeah. So, 17 innings. And <sighs> – Kumar is going to have to be really good. And then I want to see how Chris Lamonis uses Landon Sims. What does he do? How quickly? What, what, what's going on with him tonight? Because he, he's actually pretty fresh. So, what, what, what can State get yeah. out of him to kind of extend this thing? I mean, we're not really talking about scouting report necessarily. But um, it's just it's been sort of somewhat fascinating to watch the, the number of people that are Ole Miss fans that go, hey, I'm for the state of Mississippi or I'm for the SEC versus – Somehow Vanderbilt baseball has become palatable in this thing as uh, <laughs> the other option. So I don't know. It's it, it's been an interesting week of watching those two uh, those two mindsets collide, if you will. Yeah, I usually uh, I usually catch a lot of heat for it, and it's not because of the hometown team. I typically like Vanderbilt. I, I don't dislike Vandy. Um, you know, I think people hate the calisthenics that they do, and um, you know, Vandy plays with a little edge. Um, you talk about it all the time. You mentioned, you know, yeah. Dan McDonald and Louisville kind of have that similar edge and that yeah. it, it's a real like subtle, almost like a snobby swagger. It is. Um, 
that they have. And, you know, I was telling somebody the other day, they were, they were like, why do you like them? Like, wh- like, what do you like? I went to, I'll say, I went to a team camp in high school and Tim Corbin, for whatever reason, took a liking to our team. And he was just always a nice guy. He would come by every morning and say hey to us. And, uh, and I enjoyed my time there. Um, but yeah, I don't dislike Vanderbilt, but, but yeah, going back to the game, I turned it off last night when it was five one. Um, I know they brought in Riley. I don't know who else they used from the bullpen. I imagine they didn't use anybody that's of worth the Yeah. So they're saving their best arms for tonight. So I mean, honestly, and even if Kumar Rocker pitches well, still got score. I mean, Enrique Bradfield has been really bad in Omaha. He was phenomenal all year long. I mean, he's the table setter. And um, you know, if, I feel like if he doesn't get on base and disrupt things with his base running, then Vandy's in trouble. Um, and then Bednar's been, you know, as good as anybody in the last couple of weeks. So it, it's really set up for State to win. Um, if if you ask me to pick a winner, I'd probably pick State. But it's pretty confidently. Who knows? Yeah, I, yeah. Who knows? I mean, it's, it's, the, the park. I will say the park at um, TD Ameritrade hasn't played as big as it normally does in years past. I mean, there's a lot of balls last night. Yeah, it really was. It was jumping out of there. You know what? What it is is. Like, Ole Miss fans obviously have vested interest in this. SEC fans obviously have vested interest because they have their teams they like, they don't like, all that kind of stuff. The reason there's so much pull in general, though, against Vanderbilt nationally is that it's it's such a sport to kind of be for the plucky underdog. And there's mm-hmm. nothing about Vanderbilt in any way that allows you to go there going, hey, I really hope they win if you don't kind of have a reason to. Because you know they've got the best players. You know they got these two draft picks. You know they won in 19. Like, they've got all these pro guys. There's nothing underdog or fun about them. It's so regimented and kind of robotic in some ways that if you're just a casual fan from Dubuque or Iowa City or whatever, you're going, ah, State's kind of fun. State's interesting. They never won one. We'll be for the Bulldogs. And it's created this this national thing whether where unless you're a Vanderbilt fan or an Ole Miss fan, the whole nation's kind of pulling for State right now. Yeah, and don't get me wrong. The Whistler is absolutely awful. He's obnoxious. And you guys mentioned on the show, I don't know how somebody from Vanderbilt's administration hasn't told him to stop. Or at this point, just like say, hey, look, we'll give you season tickets for life if you stop. Well, because he's I become mean, the most well-known entity of Vanderbilt baseball outside their team. And that's such a weird dynamic. It's just it, – it's strange. And it's – it's almost – He's almost – it's like Harvey Updike in Alabama for, for a while. A little bit, because it's a yeah. deal where it's another reason to kind of pull against Vanderbilt because they have, like, very little fan base. They don't fill yeah. up. Like, the fans really give a crap. I mean, there's just nothing there. And I, I, mean, I was talking to a buddy last night, and this isn't like, oh, I really want State to win or whatever, because I have found myself pulling for Vanderbilt the last two days. But other than Florida State – has State the best program fan base to not have a title at this point historically? Yeah, I said that last night. Um, I mean, Florida's we kind of one by far with all their appearances and stuff. But Right. Yeah, because, you know, we were kind of talking about what, you know, where does State sit if they get it done? And as many times as they, as, as they have been to Omaha, how frequent they've done it recently with different coaches – and if you – on top of that, if you win a national title, I mean, I think it's legitimate, like a top five elite program at this point. Um, you know, Ole Miss fans don't want to hear it because 
obviously with the struggles that Mike Danko has had and his, you know, tenure at Ole Miss to, to get to Omaha. But, I mean, at this point, you just kind of have to tip your cap. They have figured out a way to do it, year, you know, damn near year in, year out. And, you know, I think that this – I think I think Mississippi State right now is playing better than Vandy. Maybe on paper, Vanderbilt's better. I don't think there's anyone arguing that. But right now, the way that they're playing and the way that that top four, that lineup, can really give you issues, I mean, I think it's it's their game to lose tonight. I mean, I'm looking at it right here because I've got a list. Uh, give me one second to do this. And, okay, 21 is included. So, Mississippi State's been in the College World Series 12 times. They are tied for second on most appearances without a championship. And they have the second most – no, sorry, they don't have the second most wins. Out of the two, the tied for second, they have more wins. So, Florida State's been 23 times, and yeah. they have never won a title. They finished runner-up three times. They average 1.3 wins per appearance. Clemson and Mississippi State are have been to Omaha 12 times in their history without a win. State has 13 total wins. Clemson has 12 total wins. State has a 371 winning percentage in the College World Series. North Carolina is at 11. Uh, Northern Colorado is at 10. Arkansas is at 10. Maine's at 7. Western Michigan at 6. St. John's at 6. A&M at 6. So those are your most appearances without a College World Series championship. Um, I think from that standpoint, when you talk about, as you mentioned, the different coaches, the different decades, I think that's right. I, I think State on that list is the second historic program to not have a title when you look at the, the sum of the parts. And, you know, look, there is something to be said for putting yourself in that position, getting to the tournament that number of times, and then things finally working out. Because I, I kind of thought it was funny last night because Chris Lonis at one point was like, well, I mean, we're – it was during his interview, and he goes, hey, we're Mississippi State. You know, nothing's easy. And I was like, Vanderbilt's kicking the ball all over the field, Chris. Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, you, you're playing the best team in the country, and they're, they're, they're killing themselves. But – All got stuck in someone's glove. The Oxford Exxon Podcast is brought to you by Grenada Nissan. If you're in the market for a Nissan vehicle, Grenada Nissan is the place to go. They've got a complete selection of new and previously owned Nissan vehicles. Great lease deals as well. It's GrenadaNissanUSA.com. Also brought to you by the Oxford Park Commission. If you want to play some adult kickball, you can do it, but you got the deadline to register is on July the 4th. Grab some friends, join for an adult kickball league at M Trade Park this summer. The cost to play is $125 per team, no limit to roster size. The season will run from July the 7th through August the 4th. The deadline to register, like I said, is July 4th. Go to OxfordParkCommission.com for more details. We're brought to you by Pinpoint Commercial Real Estate based out of Jackson, Mississippi. Pinpoint uh, services the entire state in all commercial asset classes such as retail, office, industrial, and land. Sam Cox and B.B. Mitchell are Ole Miss graduates, and they utilize their unique skill sets to execute on assignments and increase value for the clients. Pinpoint's core services include tenant representation, site selection, acquisition and disposition of income-producing assets, development, and occupancy for landlords as well. Uh, Pinpoint takes pride in its attention to detail, professionalism, and uh, hard work. For all your commercial real estate needs, please give Sam and BB a call at 601-586-3220. Blue Delta Jeans makes the best-fitting, most comfortable jeans in the world because they are uniquely made for you 
and only you, raw denim jeans, custom fit, hand-tailored in Tupelo, Mississippi. One size fits one at bluedeltajeans.com. Also brought to you by Lamons Fine Jewelry in Oxford. Lamons is at 1126 North Lamar Boulevard. They've been serving the Oxford area for almost 75 years, from engagement rings to wedding rings to fine jewelry, watches, pearls, fashion jewelry, children's jewelry, collectibles, and more. Lamons is the gold standard in fine jewelry. You can visit them at LamonsFineJewelry.com or call them at 662-2342-777. And we're brought to you by Comer Heating and Air. It's the name you can trust with more than 50 years of professional HVAC experience in Oxford, Tupelo, and the surrounding area. 662-801-1777 for all of your heating and cooling needs. Again, Comer Heating and Air, 662-801-1777. And we're brought to you by the College Corner. It's one-stop Rebel Shop, two locations in the Jackson area. In uh, Ridgeland, uh, the College Corner is right next door to uh, Fleet Feet. And in Flowood, it's next to Half Shell. If you don't live in Jackson, that's okay. Go to collegecornerstore.com. Plus, you can find them on Facebook and Instagram. So whether you're tailgating in Oxford or home gating with friends and family, the College Corner has you covered for game day with the largest selection of Rebel gear in central Mississippi. And we're brought to you by Pinnacle. Pinnacle based in Madison, Mississippi. They've got clients in more than 20 states, advisors in multiple states as well. Founded in 1997, Pinnacle provides detailed specialized investment management, financial planning, retirement planning for individuals and businesses, and much more. At Pinnacle, investing is treated like a commodity and decisions are made using objective information and research, not emotions. So regardless of your level of wealth, Pinnacle will sit down with you, listen to your goals, study your expenses, and put forth a comprehensive, detailed financial and retirement plan built just for you. Cookie-cutter financial planners put you in a box. Pinnacle builds a box just for you. To learn more, go to Pintrust.com. That's P-I-N-N Trust.com. Literally. Yeah. I mean, you know, what was it? They get a double play ball, and, and Riley sticks his foot out and kicks it into right field. Yeah. Um, I mean, I thought it was, you know, the Super Regional, Notre Dame, the best fielding team in the country, and they boot the ball. I think they made four errors in a winner-take-all game three. I mean, now a lot of it is Mississippi State puts a ton of pressure on people with their offense. And I'll say this. I was talking to somebody about this this morning. You know, say what you want about them. Say what you want about their pants and their, their you know – stupid haircuts and all that. But I don't think there's anybody on that roster that shrinks from the big moment. No, they they play incredibly loose. They um they do they play better than they are. They play above their heads in tight moments versus other teams that play below their heads in in, in those same kind of moments. There, there's nothing about that. I mean that from a program standpoint, forget what's on the chest. That is their best compliment. That that is what you have to at least appreciate by them is that they do that they rise to occasions as well as any program in the country from that standpoint. You know, because Vanderbilt's kind of their baseline. They're just the best team and they play the best and they win and okay, whatever. But state does. They they find that extra gear and it's become a program thing. It's not just a Lamonis thing, it's a program thing. And I got this question in the mailbag. I'm doing Neil's mailbag this week. I'll publish it tomorrow. And it was, what does this win do from a pressure standpoint toward Ole Miss? How does it change anything? What does it do? I've kind of got some thoughts. Before I do that, what's your answer? What do you think? I mean, I honestly thought before this became a thing, uh, I don't know. I mean, I, I feel like the bar has been set by Keith Carter that 
he he wants them to get to Omaha next season. If they don't, I don't know what I don't know what he does. I mean, I almost think that he's put himself in that position, you know, whether it was on purpose or inadvertently. I mean, that's the expectation. And, I mean, I think that that's always been, you know, obviously the knock on, on Mike Bianco. Is you just can't get there enough. Um, they've had some, some bad luck with some supers, but they've also been fortunate, and they've not capitalized. You know, they've lost some home regionals. Um, they had a – a pretty favorable matchup in 2009 against a Virginia team that they were better than. Um, I mean, I think you could argue that in 2005, they should have beaten Texas. And I think that I'm pretty sure you've said it before and I've talked to people about it. And I think that it was pretty clear that whoever won that super regional is probably winning it all. Um, and then, you know, the, the, the disaster in 2018, which uh, outside of that 2005 team, I think 2018 was probably the best team that Mike Bank has ever had. They don't get out of their own regional. They lose to Tennessee Tech. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that if State wins it, I think that that just adds even more pressure to what Mike Bianco has to do in, in 2022. It's such an interesting element, because I've mentioned this on the podcast a couple times, and it's, it's relevant to this question because of State, is – we know that it does ramp up pressure. We know that those two programs are going to be, you know, compared to one another no matter what every single year and as they move forward, especially when you're 3-16 and 16 against the Bulldogs in the last 19 games. But when we say that, it's a social media pressure. It's an internet pressure. It's a message board pressure. And it's a general fan base pressure. But it still isn't pressure from the two places where pressure matters in college athletics season ticket sales, and booster involvement. And, and there's nothing about this. I mean, I was, I was asked this question in the mailbag, and I kind of put it into another question. I don't think there's a single booster that's of major relevance calling for Mike Mienko to be fired. I don't think that's something Keith Carter is dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis. I don't think that's like football or basketball where you really do have a lot of other elements that are at play there when things are not up to whatever the, the expectation is that is there. And then Ole Miss is still going to sell 7,000 season tickets next year for its baseball program. It just is. I mean, it might fall off a little bit. They might not sell as many as much donation money in some club areas or something like that. But there's not going to be this precipitous fall that is proof of a change needed or anything like that. Now, look, if they get off to a slow start, if they play poorly during the season, then maybe you have some actual attendance issues. Maybe you got people don't go to the games. Maybe some things like those happens. But it's why this is such a fascinating deal is why the answer is probably yes in the tangible way. How is that the case? And I have no real answer. I just know that it is, but I don't know how you would ever document, document it on paper as to what that actually means. Yeah, you know, the people that will say, oh, you know, you should boycott. You should not go to the game. Well, you know, that's not going to happen. People aren't going to do that. But you're right. It's it's almost – you know, Ole Miss is one of the few programs – you know, Mississippi State's included here. I think LSU's included. Um, Arkansas. Programs that actually, you know, either break even or make money. That's it. Nobody no, – yeah. I mean, that's – nobody makes money on college baseball. It's still, for the most part, a niche sport. I mean, Rob Friedman's doing his damnedest to grow the game and, you know <laughs> – Ben Mintz is doing it. Uh, you know, Barstool's investing heavily into promoting college baseball. And I think it's becoming a, a bigger deal 
with, 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 you know, streaming platforms and whatnot. I mean, people are getting to watch more college baseball, but yeah, for the most part, the country doesn't care. They only care about, you know, this, you know, end of June when the college world series is on. But yeah, I mean, that's the problem is because look, he's not getting you to Omaha and look, Keith Carter wants the team to get to Omaha, obviously. But yeah, when you're making money, it's at that point, you're, you're almost like your hands are tied where you're like, yeah, like, Mike doesn't get us there, but Mike makes us money. So, yeah, I mean, that is like a huge hurdle that you have to get over. Because like you said, the, you know, boosters are still happy, obviously. They're not clamoring for him to, to leave. And some of that's uh, a baseball thing. There just aren't that many boosters that give a crap enough about baseball to even be that guy. Yeah. I mean, most of them, let's be honest, they want to come to the games, they want to have a good weekend, and they want to go home. That's it. You might need to – I mean, he lives close enough to Swayze Field. I mean, maybe if Dickie Scruggs pipes up and says something, they'll uh, <laughs> they'll they'll do something. But yeah, I mean, it's it is such a bizarre situation that we know he's going to win forty plus games. We know we're going to get to the postseason, and we know we're going to make money. We're not losing anything. So, and especially coming off of of COVID nineteen, and you know, you lose the whole twenty twenty season, and a lot of people lost a you know millions of dollars. And you've got this one program that's, you know, a quote-unquote niche sport that's actually make, you know, turning a profit. It's extremely hard to, to change things. And I know that that's probably something that's in the back of Keith Carter's mind is it's a risk. The worst thing, and Keith may argue with this, he'd probably tell me I'm wrong, in my opinion, the worst thing in the world for Keith is a super regional loss next season. Yeah. Because it creates a situation where you go, that's three in a row. But yeah. at that point, you'd be maybe one in nine, one in ten in games to get to Omaha during Mike's career. But they would have won a regional. They would have done this. Obviously, regular season would have to have gone at least somewhat well, whether they went on the road or won at home or hosted or whatever. Because, look, if he doesn't win a regional, I do. I think he's fired. I, I think it will be the yeah. end of the Mike Bianco tenure if he doesn't win a regional next season. Just my opinion. Could be wrong, but that's what I think. And then, obviously, if he makes Omaha – He's safe, and he doesn't win in Omaha. If he just makes Omaha, he's safe, and he gets a bunch of bonuses. So there's a middle ground sitting there, and that middle ground is winning a regional, losing a super regional. That is the thing. Because this year was that case, but I know there's a lot of angst and about the LSU thing, and there should be. I mean, that was a really weird situation and not a, not, not a great win for Ole Miss baseball. But in general, in a vacuum, he coached pretty well this year. He around some different elements. I mean, some some of it was, you know, look, it's the coach's job to put a team together. So if you've got deficiencies, those deficiencies are issues, you know, amongst yourself. But at the same time, you had a lot of injuries. You had things and Mike guided them to 45 wins and a game three and a super regional. And you go, okay, next year, a super regional loss, I feel like would be complete and utter hell for Keith Carter. That seems like the one yeah. result where you go, oh, my God. I'll ask you this, and I'll let you answer first. If they play next year, like you said, they play well, they get to Omaha, and Mike keeps his job. Do you think that's fair with the sample size that you already have? That he keeps his job getting to Omaha? Yeah. Well, yeah, because at that point – he would have won a Super Regional and, frankly, won a Super Regional in a year where a lot of guys develop more than we think they're going to or he gets some transfers and really wins in that market because, 
especially on the mound. I mean, there's just not much there from an on-paper standpoint going into next season when you try to project this team out. I mean, it just doesn't – it's yeah. weak. Now, offensively, I think they're good. But on the mound, there's not a ton there. You don't know what Derek Diamond's health is. You're counting on at least one transfer who was at Corpus Christi and John Gaddis. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there. So, yeah, look, he gets to Omaha. He's able to look at a three-, four-year sample size of going, hey, I've been to the Super in these many years. You, I got you to the College World Series. I got you to the College World Series in a year where not much was expected. And, hey, look up, and a lot of guys are back next season for 2022 or 2023 or whatever that'll be, and you kind of move forward from that point. I mean, it just prolongs the teeth gnashing for potentially a year or two. I mean, that's the problem that Mike has to whatever level it's a problem is that the sample size is what it is to a point. Of there's nowhere, no way at this point of his career without – back-to-back Omaha appearances or a national title to outrun that, that it still just sits there on the cusp, even if mm-hmm. you get to the College World Series the next year. When you don't the next year, it goes, well, two and whatever and whatever. There's just there's right. just no way to outrun it no matter what you do unless you really put some sort of, you know, trend and, and streak together. Yeah, that was going to be my point was, yeah, they make Omaha next year, whether they go two and Q or, you know, they make it to the semis or whatever, it's always going to be – well, you didn't get there in 2021. You didn't get there in 2018. You know, it, it's always going to be there, which, you know, I guess is fair. And I, I would say that Mike Bianco would say that is fair. He wouldn't argue that. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. What, what do you think the odds would be of him getting to Omaha and and hanging it up? Ooh. What do you think his – what do you, what do you what, like, how, how much longer can he do this? I Man, I know he's young and he's, he's in good health, as far as I know. Um yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. So he's he's got plenty of time, but you know, is you know what what do you think he wants to do? Like if he if he gets to Omaha, I mean, obviously that's you know right out on that. I mean, end your career, get the stadium named after you, get a statue, retire the number, throw it on the wall and in, in center field, whatever. But um, do you think that that's something that he might consider? <sighs> Um, no, I, I think – I just don't think he's close to done. I just really don't. I mean, that's the that, – that's some of the deal here is that I think he's trying to extend his job security to a point where he's ready to hang it up. But that's not now. I mean, unless some things have drastically changed, he told me last fall that he wanted to coach eight to ten more years. I mean, that's 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 not one or two years. That's, that's eight or ten. That's a lot. So – no, I think he's wanting to coach to at least 60, somewhere in that ballpark. You know, maybe 61, 62, maybe 59, I don't know, but somewhere in there. Um, I think Mike is at a point right now where, no, he's trying to put years together. I, I think if Mike Bianco – and it's kind of what – I mean, look, he's gotten paid a lot of money and he's gotten a ton of job security. And he's done a good job for the most part of the one very obvious thing that's one of the most important things. But nobody wants to see Mike Bianco get fired. I mean, that's not fun for anybody. But at the same time, Mike's got to really win to go out on his terms in this. I, I think it's hard for to see a scenario where Mike's able to kind of put these seasons together back to back to back to back and, and, and hold out as long as he would like to hold out to, uh, to do that. Because, look, I get all the emotional elements with LSU. I get the history he had. But that was going to be a way to have an out to not – you know, you only pursue that at all if you're willing to at least consider it or take it because – you have to recognize that, hey, it's not borrowed time, but it is definitely a thing where they've set a very clear expectation, and to this point it has not been met in Oxford. 
it, well, it, especially if you're an old and you want Dan McDonald, you, you, you don't want to fire him because then Dan's not coming, right? That is my interpretation. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, look, here's the deal with Dan. Um, by the way, he was in Omaha cheering for state last night. Um, That's another element to this whole thing. It, well, I, mean, I think it's a positive for Ole Miss. I, I think he'd like to be close to the Lamona's family, if we're just being honest. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, he seems more – and, again, I'm just putting words in his mouth. He seems more disgruntled with Louisville than he's been in the past. So, you don't know what another year of that potentially looks like. And does that yeah. make it where he goes, no, I just want out of here and I want a job. If I can get one of the jobs I really want, I'll just take it no matter what. I don't necessarily think we're there, but I think there is a level where that becomes at least worth talking about. Where some of the ideas that we had about what Dan wanted to do or what Dan would do later in his career – Maybe that's changed. Maybe that's a deal where without Tom Jurich and without some of the creature comforts that he had at Louisville at that time, maybe that's that that's no longer the case. And I don't know that again, it's just just speculation. But yeah. I think that's at least something to uh to consider. And I think too, and we, we talked about this during the search, but or, or the search. <laughs> the the interview, I guess you could you could say. Um it's it's probably something that Ole Miss fans can can feel good about as well that Dan McDonald's been on the staff at Ole Miss, so he knows how to deal with the scholarship limitations. So it wouldn't be something to where that's a hurdle you got to get over if you do, in fact, interview him for the job to where it's like, ah, well, I don't, I don't have to deal with this crap at Louisville. Um, you know, I'm fine up there in the ACC. Um, he, he's been there, done that. You know, he's recruited around it. Um, you know, he was able to recruit some of the best signing classes that Ole Miss has ever had. Um, some of the best players they've ever had. So that's something that that I think that if it gets to that point, that you won't have to hold your breath on that because I don't think that that would give him any pause. I mean, you, you might have a different opinion, but I think that him being able to say, oh, I've, I've already dealt with that, that that's not something that's going to be a cause for concern. Um, No, I think that's the a reason why he feels comfortable is he does know all the ins and outs of that, and he feels like he can win doing it because, frankly, he's done it. I mean, look, recruiting has changed a little since Dan was at Ole Miss. I mean, Dan was a master. Funny money is not really the term, but back then there wasn't the 25% minimum that there is now for a scholarship. So Dan could do tons of, hey, books and room, and here's 20 here, and here's 20 here. You know what I mean? And just throw a bunch mm-hmm. of stuff together and really, really manipulate the 117 as much as it can be manipulated. Um, he's probably an overall smarter guy now, but there are more regulations in, in, in place as well from, from that standpoint. So, no, I, that, that wouldn't be a problem for Dan. I think that he could recruit and handle that puzzle as well as anybody can. And, look, it, it, it is a puzzle. I mean, I think that's why Ole Miss and, frankly, State to an extent, I think you have to be very careful when you make these hires. I think that you're not saying that it can't be done. You're not saying Mike's the only one that can do it. But you do have to have somebody with the knowledge of the difficulty of what you're, you're tasked with. That's it. Um, some experience in that is not the worst thing in the world. And it makes those non-scholarship schools a little more susceptible to not necessarily former players, former coaches, connections, but at least a certain type of profile coach. I mean, you know, versus – I don't know what they deal with out there, but, you know, versus where LSU can be more of the, the, the school that goes and goes, hey, here's Jay Johnson, here's the Kings to the Kingdom, and we don't really care that you haven't recruited East of Nevada at any point in your career. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, it looks like he's just going to start bringing his own guys over there anyway. So. How many That's of that? Not the worst idea. What's going on there? Well, I know it's what Jordan Berry, 
was the freshman All-American. Uh, yeah. I know that he's he's going there, right? I, see, I don't know. I haven't heard any of this. I've been completely out of the loop. That's why I was asking you. Okay. I'm pretty sure it's official that he's going to LSU because he entered the portal. Um, I think that's his name. I know his last name is Barry. Um, but, yeah, he's uh, leaving Arizona to go follow him. Um, oh, Jacob Barry. Jacob okay. Barry. Um, oh, that's right. I didn't see this. Never mind. So, yeah, I mean – you throw him in there with Dylan Cruz and Trey Morgan and, and that lineup. I mean, that's pretty dangerous. Um, yeah, he's he's following him to Baton Rouge. I don't know if anyone else will. I mean, we've talked about this with football. You know, it's, it, it's never always the mass exodus that everyone thinks will happen. But um, I, I'm, I'm certainly interested to see what he does there. Uh, I mean, they were obviously very good this year. Uh, and then, you know, he was – you know, on some on the staff of some really good teams when um, when Lopez was there, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I I want to see how he does. Um, he doesn't have his pitching coach or his hitting coach, so that'll be interesting. That's another element to uh, to consider. But I mean, LSU's always been a program where it just kind of recruits itself. So as long as he doesn't screw it up, I mean, I'm sure he'll be able to get players there and they'll be able to compete. He has one of the best hitting systems in college baseball. The ability to work the counts, the way he teaches his players, and frankly demands of his players to not swing at things outside the strike zone, different things along those lines. I mean, it's it's incredibly impressive what he's able to do. So I'm curious to see what he does with a different type of team, a different type of offense in Baton Rouge versus what he's had in Tucson. Um, but he's he's good. I mean, I, I, you wonder a little bit. Um, I laughed at it. I think I had a mailbag question that said, Hey, if Ole Miss beats LSU in game three, I mean, beats Arizona in game three, that super regional, who's, uh, who's the coach of LSU right now? Because, you know, would Scott Woodward still go after Jay Johnson if he would yeah. not in Omaha, if he just had the one Omaha appearance, would that change things from a palatability on, on Mike Bianco at that point? You know what I mean? And I, I don't know. That's a, it's a, it's a great question where I do think it's very valid. I mean, as dumb as this is, it's just the world we're in with college athletics. I think that one game potentially changed who LSU uh, hired as its head coach. The Oxford Exxon Podcast also brought to you by John Edwards of Regency Travel Incorporated in Memphis. John's part of Virtuoso. It's a worldwide network of travel partners that allows John to supply his clients with added values and unique benefits simply not available to other travelers. John traveled the globe for more than 37 years before getting into the travel business. He knows the extra attention that's needed to make a special trip one that creates a lifetime of unique memories. Just get in touch with John. Give him some parameters. Give him a budget. He'll give you options. And no, you don't have to live in or near Memphis to take advantage of his services. 901-494-3387 or Edwards at regencytravel.net. First-time clients can save $50 off their first booked trip. Just by telling John you heard about Regency Travel on the podcast. We're also brought to you by Whitney McNutt, Tommy Morgan Incorporated Realtors, serving you for all of your real estate needs in Oxford and Tupelo. Whitney sells condos, land, commercial, and residential family homes. 662-567-2573 or 662-842-3844. And we're brought to you by Alpha Specialties, located at 1670 Highway 80 in Pearl, Mississippi. Alpha Specialties is your trailer-specific professional. If you want to haul it, they can call it at Alpha. It's the premium trailer dealership in Mississippi. They've got Load Trail. It's the premium brand trailer, the highest quality utility equipment dump and gooseneck trailer being built today. 
They also have Hallmark cargo trailers, one of the most quality cargo trailers on the market, perfect for hauling goods to shows and markets, ATVs to deer camp, hauling race cars, and more. They can even work with third parties to have game day trailers and concession trailers built just for you. Uh, For podcast listeners, they've got spare tires and wheels starting at just $100. They also do all types of truck accessories, and they can repair all types of trailers, concession, horse, utility, enclosed, gooseneck, RV, and more. So give them a call at 601-932-9798 or check them out at alphaofms.com. We're also brought to you by The Rogue. The Rogue is your destination for fine men's clothing. They're stylist hand-select pieces from top designers, from work to lifestyle to nightlife. There's the perfect something for everyone at The Rogue. All the best items from Peter Millar, Martin Dingman, Jack Victor, Duckhead, Halsey, True Grit, and more. You can visit them at 4450 I-55 North in Jackson or at therogue.com. And we're brought to you by Joey Erickson at Heron Gear Chevrolet. Let Joey help you find the vehicle you're looking for at a price you can afford. Choose from a full selection of new Chevrolet vehicles or get a great deal on numerous brands of reliable pre-owned vehicles. Give Joey a call or a text on his cell, 662-571-2367. Tell him what you're looking for or stop by 1685 High Street in Jackson to test drive that new or used vehicle you've been wanting. Let him earn your business. And with any purchased vehicle, just mention the Oxford Exxon Podcast or the Soft Verbal Podcast, you get a $50 gas card. And we're brought to you by LB's Meat Market, 2008 University Avenue in Oxford. It's the place to go for the freshest cuts of meat in and around Oxford, whether that's beef or pork or chicken or seafood or the homemade sausages, plate lunches, whatever the case may be. Everything at LB's is absolutely spectacular. The uh, stuffed jalapenos, the stuffed mushrooms, the list just goes on and on. The bacon-wrapped asparagus, it's all incredible uh, quality. You'll absolutely love it. Just go in, stop in, tell Greg Jones that you heard about LBs on the Oxford Exxon podcast or any of our MPW digital network of programs, and he'll throw a little something extra in the bag, and he'll make sure that you leave really excited and happy with everything that you've got coming your way from LBs Meat Market. Yeah, it probably makes it easier to sell if Ole Miss gets to Omaha, and who knows how deep they go, but yeah. I think that probably changes things. I think you're, I think you're pretty dead on there, uh, which is kind of silly because it's baseball, and I mean, there's so much, there's so much luck involved in baseball in almost everything. I mean, luck of who you draw in a, in a regional, a super regional, who you get when you get to Omaha. Um, I mean, I still say that that baseball is the hardest sport to play professionally because there's just so much luck involved. I mean, you could be a really good minor league baseball player. And you just never have a spot open up just because you could have, you know, Otani in front of you or you could have Fernando Tatis Jr. in front of you or who, you know, name superstar here that you just never catch a break. Um, but, yeah, you're probably right, though. It is it is kind of silly to think about that one game changed it. But, um, yeah, I, th- I think that much to uh, Ole, Miss, Ole Miss fans chagrin, uh, Arizona going 2-Q and Q in Omaha probably – made it sting a little bit more. So is it just me because I have different watching priorities and you had no idea this was coming, but I'm just kind of curious because I was on ESPN.com or has Wimbledon and professional tennis fallen even further out of our purview of what we watch every day? Because I'm paying no attention to it whatsoever. Yeah. I don't know what the deal is with that. Is it, I mean, I saw that Serena got hurt again. 
and uh, had to retire. So I I couldn't name you another women's tennis player. I mean, she's obviously the the creme de la creme of that sport. Um, I mean, maybe on Taka, but that was that's just simply because she refused to do interviews at the French Open. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't know if men's tennis is just really taking a dive because, I mean, I think what Federer's on his way out, right? Wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, they're all aging, and, I mean, at some point, Father Time does win. So, yeah, I mean, you're waiting on that new generation that, frankly, in, on the men's side, still hasn't come necessarily. Yeah, I don't uh, – yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I don't know why. I mean, maybe with some of these tournaments, you know, maybe the time difference maybe hurts it a little. But, yeah, I mean, it's nowhere near as big of a deal as it, as it once was. I mean – it's kind of weird to say, like, maybe somebody like Rafael Nadal is, is aging when I don't know how old he is, but, I mean, he's not that old. Um, you know, Djokovic isn't old, but, yeah, I mean, I guess it's just something that's a sport that takes a ton of patience to watch. And this is coming from someone that watches golf um, <laughs> and baseball. I Look, I, I'll, baseball's boring. I love baseball, but it's boring. Um but yeah, I mean, maybe that's it. I don't know. That's 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 a good question. Because tennis is at least constant action, right? You're not dealing yeah, with the lull of. I mean, that was the same action over and over again to a to to a non-understander's eyes. You know what I mean? But yeah, I mean, baseball is much worse from from just a pace of play standpoint. Right. Yeah, I mean, you really got to be a diehard to appreciate watching baseball all the time. And, you know, that's kind of the reason, you know, that's my – I bring that up with, with soccer when people say soccer's boring. And, like, once I found out, I was hooked where, you know, there, there are no timeouts. I mean, there are no commercials. It is mm-hmm. constant. You get, your, you get your halftime, and after that's 45 more minutes. I mean, it, it's perfect. And, you know, maybe some people just don't like it because they don't like soccer. That's fine. But yeah, you can't argue with that. I mean, there is there there are no commercial interruptions. I mean, it is nonstop. So maybe that's what it is, just the pace of tennis being nonstop. But yeah, I, I don't have an answer. I mean, I think you'd have to just say maybe some of the the greats are just not as good as they once were. I, I don't know. I, I couldn't tell you who's won the most recent tournaments anyway. Djokovic is still winning a lot. Um, so last thing. And I'm going to do a little more on a podcast later in the week on this, but NLI starts tomorrow. Um, name, image, or NIL, sorry. Um, name, image, likeness, July 1st for uh, Mississippi. This, well, frankly, every state, though, is going to have an ability. Even the Mississippi is, is one of the six or so that has passed a, a, an actual law um, for it. How big of a deal do you think this is? Because the more and more I hear, it's going to show a lot of – economics lessons to a lot of players about market value, about what they're worth. Um, saw Nebraska, there's a restaurant chain that's offering at least something to every one of the Nebraska players, all, all 85 or whatever it is. But for the most part, I think a lot of players probably are over-exaggerating worth what is actually coming their way. And then second, it's going to be a nightmare in some different ways. I mean, there's no doubt it's going to be the wild, wild west and at least some version somewhere with some example over the course of this thing. The other interesting part is that I wonder in a year or so, I was talking to somebody yesterday who's brought this up. I wonder if there ends up being a tax accountant on every staff, this athletic department, because they're going to have to file taxes, 
not just on what they get, but potentially in multiple states if it's different yeah. ads or different things, depending on what they're what they're doing. I mean, look, it's it's a positive for the sport. And at the end of the day, I mean, business is business. I mean, if a player wants to do this, they 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 take advantage of it. But I have heard examples where some guys go, Hey, I don't think my value is high enough to justify the the negatives that go along with this thing. I mean, I, I'm I'm all in. I want to see how it works. I want to see what it looks like. I want to see how they actually calculate fair market value. But there's some very obvious negatives that I feel like a lot of people are just kind of overlooking here that they're going to be smacked in the face with a little bit when it comes. Yeah, I'll tell you this. You're certainly going to see who has a lot of confidence and who doesn't. Because hmm. there's, there's going to be some guys that are going to be rolling out, you know, merch drops and stuff that probably have no business doing it. But, uh, but hey, I, I appreciate it. I mean, I saw the other day there was a um, some walk-on receiver at Kansas State who uh, posted some TikTok of the players all singing Justin Bieber. And somebody said the guy's got over, like, 2 million TikTok followers. Okay. So they were like, if he could figure out a way to monetize that. I He's in. He'll be re- yeah, I mean, you, you look at all these bozos that do it, you know, the, the Paul brothers and all these, you know, famous YouTubers that all they do is just make videos somehow they figured out a way to make money from it. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to really change the game in terms of, you know, who I think it's really going to change the recruiting landscape as well, which teams do a better job of, you know, helping players, you know, put out their platform, put out their merch, um, get their name out there, help with social media, um, you know, engagement, um, you know, social reaches with, you know, different videos and tweets. I mean, it's just going to add a whole new element to recruiting. Um, yeah, it starts tomorrow. It, it's going to be, it's going to be hilarious. Um, and I don't mean that in like a, I'm not judging anyone, but yeah, I mean, you're going to, I mean, I saw that, you know, Wisconsin quarterback Graham Mertz put out something where he's got a logo and everything. And, you know, it's like, all right, like you're, you're a true sophomore. Like you haven't really done anything, but Hey, if, if it works, people, it works. Hey, you know, hey, there could be, there could be, uh, I, I don't know if he has any, you know, um, you know, Mertz heads or whatever you want to call them up in, up in, uh, up in Madison, Wisconsin, but maybe there's a, a, you know, a segment of people out there that, that love Graham Mertz so he can make some money. So, Hey, more power to you. Um, just, you know, it's pretty easy to set up a Shopify account these days. Corral's one, Plumlee's two. Who's three on the most likely to be profitable here for Ole Miss? You think Corral's over Plumlee? Yeah, barely, but yeah. Okay. Um, He's a starting quarterback with a potential Dark Horse Heisman campaign. Sure. Um, I think you could say Jerry Neely. Yeah. He's right there. Um, If he he comes back, is it – I mean, this is going to sound nuts, and you're going to argue with me, and I get that. If he comes back, is Tim Oko number three on campus? Oh, that's a good one. Um, go for the, you know, the Christian angle. Hammer that. Oh, just in general. I mean, what what he did. I mean, because, look, we're not talking about Pizza Hut grabbing these guys. But, like, from a local <laughs> or fairly regional thing, I mean, who says yeah. that's not more more profitable in, 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 in a certain demographic regionally? Yeah, I mean – yeah, Elko's probably up there for sure. Um, I mean, look, Kevin Graham could could be up there. Mm-hmm. He's got some personality. He, he's got a really dry sense of humor in all the interviews that I've seen. He's well-spoken, um, and he's good at a sport. 
Um, I'm trying to think. Ah, is Shakira Austin coming back? I think so, yeah. I thought so. Right. I mean, she could be up there. She's really good at women's hoops. Um, now, I know that's another niche sport that people don't really care about, whether that's fair or not. But she's very good. Um, she has really nice hair. Hair's red. She could do something and market that. I don't know. I mean, um, the possibilities are endless. I mean, I, I'm. it's actually pretty exciting to see, like, what current players on rosters – come up with I mean you want to talk about a guy that was before his time was Craig Ingles uh the distance runner for Ole Miss I mean with the mullet with the mustache I mean he could have he could have done some damage um but yeah I mean there could be somebody from the softball team um I I don't know anybody on that but yeah on that roster like Caitlin Lee back in the day I mean something like yeah. yeah yeah so yeah I mean there's I'm trying to think of basketball um, I mean, Jarkel Joyner is a guy. He's local. He could probably find something. He's going to be a starting point guard. Yeah. Um, I mean, Julia Johnson could pull an ad. Yeah. Anybody on the golf? Yeah, absolutely. Anybody on the golf team. Um, women's golf. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, a team national title. Yeah. Something that, that three Power Five programs don't have. Yeah. Not sure. Do, do you know the three? Did you see the graphic? I, I did not see it. I know State is one. I don't know who the other two are. You have no, you have, you don't want to guess. No idea. Um, I've actually already mentioned one when talking oh, about. Really? Yeah, talking on the show today. Okay, now who are they? So it's Kansas State. Okay, yeah. And Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech. Yeah. Okay. Kansas State's actually one I should have gotten. That was kind of a free space, but Virginia Tech I would have had a hard time with. I think I would have assumed they wanted something at some point. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, good enough. Uh, all right, we will uh, wrap there. More podcasts from the MPW Digital Family of Network Networks Networks Family of Podcast on the network as the uh, as the week moves on. Plenty of recruiting today, baseball, and then we'll see what uh, what pops as uh, as the summer continues to turn into July to tomorrow, and then toward August when football gets cranked up. So for Zach Berry, I'm Chase Barn. We'll talk to you again very soon. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.